Hello, it's Rum Doings. Hooray! Hello, what Hooray. episode is this? Some episode, episode or other. Episode 99. Episode 8 billion and 12. That's right. The topic today is, what should we do about the wheelie bin? That's it. That's, I'm so, I can barely not discuss that. Yes. I'm so excited by that topic. Yes. We've, we were taking a small break from alcohol today. And instead, <laughs> yes, we're having a nourishing cup of honeybush tea. Honeybush tea. Tell them, the, 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 lead, the listeners, they don't know what honeybush tea is. Yeah. We, we, these days, you all know about red bush or roibos, as it's possibly a called. New, a new version of Java is available. Yay. Stop all the clocks. Um, <laughs> it'll be so much better than that old version of Java. No, it changes so differently Man, each time. The, the version of Java that my mum uses. Yeah. Mum Java. Yeah. Uh, roibos tea red bush as you yes. you would call it yes, um, you english people i hate what you english I, I introduced john to it before anybody else knew about it you had to buy it from um yeah, who did men in cat alleyways yes back then it wasn't available in your, yeah. in your sainsbury's no, it was really i remember Genuinely I, introduced, wasn't, I, I introduced it to you and then suddenly it became more popular mm-hmm. and breakfast seven o'clock yeah, tea whatever they call yeah. it now and, and now stuff. but there is another tea which still isn't popular which the brits don't know about called honeybush tea and tell them why it's so rare but Doesn't it grow on only certain mountains? Yeah, but, but, yeah, yeah, but certain yeah, mountain but sides in South Africa. Yeah, basically in, in Cape Town, it's the only place in the world where this particular um, deciduous uh, bush grows, mm-hmm. which has the, um, the the leaves that make this infusion. It's delicious. It's very finely flavoured. It's very yes. subtle. And if you've discovered the joys <sighs> of redbush or roibus, yeah. or roibush, roibus, this um, is the BBC Four to red bushes, BBC One, perhaps. Would you say so? Hmm. I think BB Redbush Roybos is brash. Oh, I know. It's it's Honeybush. Oh, I got it. I think my equivalent for Roybus would be Working Lunch. Yes. On BBC Two. Yes. That's honey. That's Redbush. I'm not quite sure Honeybush would be Saturday Night Fry. Saturday Night Fry. There you go. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, you bloody <laughs> we, well find we've out. Really screwed up the analogies and metaphors here. Yeah, <laughs> But anyway, get yourself some honeybush tea. Yeah, because can... if you smell, if you if you're familiar with redbush, you'll have smelt it, and you'll go, "It tastes delicious, but it smells like old cigarettes." Yeah, which um, smells absolutely this... beautiful. It smells oh, of, of honey smell. flowers. And you know what else? It also smells of the late nineties. Yes, it does. Very good. Um, um, Dragon, you can get them from the Dragonfly company. So if you go to Dragonfly Teas or whatever, maybe you can order them online. You used to be able to get them in uh, health food shops. But then the Brits decided they didn't like it. Like, That's they also right. don't like root beer, the stupid Brits. Oh, have you, have you bought root beer in Britain recently? Yeah, that sort of aspartame licorice solution. Every now and then I just break down and think, oh, it, maybe it'll taste a bit like it. I'll get like a... A bar's root beer or something, some yeah. decent brand in Waitrose or something. And yeah. oh. no, it's, it, it's basically a big pool of tar mixed with some licorice and aspartame. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so foul. However, you can go to uh, many and various websites. I use um, American Soda. Yes. And they will deliver you crates of uh, A&W's. As will my customer, Cyber Candy. Oh, Cyber Candy, of course. Yeah. They do and they too, do yes. lots of other things. Like if you like the Fruit Loops and that we were talking about earlier. So mm-hmm. go, everyone go and shop at Cyber Candy. Weeks ago we were talking about Fruit yeah, Loops. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Cyber Candy. Um, but you were talking about what was foul, you know, the foul British Fruit Loops. I'll tell you something else that's British and foul. Yeah. And that's the Now Show. <laughs> But apparently, oh, you're, apparently you're telling me that an alumnus from the Now well, Show is not always that foul. I feel like is I, this true? I feel like I started saying this. Have in the you previous... screwed us backwards? I have. I started saying this in a previous podcast. I mean, and as is the want of this program, I never reached my. my it is it, is it is its want. Yes, it has a big want. It has a giant throbbing want. Yes. Um, the uh, the Now Show is co-presented by Mr. Hugh Dennis, and in the, in the parody, you are sort of being the Hugh Dennis mm-hmm. character. 
and he is in a program called Outnumbered. That's as far as I got last time, I think. Now, Outnumbered is on BBC it's a One. It's a sitcom on BBC and, One. And for oh, our, we went on the big. Do you remember we went on the big top, and that's where we got diverted. Yeah. For, for, for our international lis- listeners, the phrase "sitcom on BBC <laughs> One." Oh, is there an equivalent that you can? What's the closest equivalent for an American? A sitcom on the Disney Channel. Yeah, it would be uh, a good equivalent. But oh no, no, it's still network. But it's a really the, what's the blandest of the networks? Well, the problem is each network tends to churn out a good one. Fox have the poorest sitcom, so yeah, then it's sort of Fox. So it's Fox. a really bland, yeah. safe, but not. No, it's not like um, it's it's not not bland in the sense that it's just well, you, as, rash, as we as said before, the American sitcom is is an, an yeah, it's, absolute it's peak right now. So it's a really difficult time to okay. pick on them, and Fox does aren't even trying. But anyway, outnumbered is. Um, a British sitcom. Is a British sitcom. And, and, and so when you have a BBC One sitcom about a family... I, would never, I wouldn't even begin to think exactly. about watching it. And that's why this programme is something like four years old, and I only discovered it in the last few weeks. Because for four years I've gone, well, of course I'm not going to watch that, because <laughs> it just files under... And it stars Hugh Dennis, for God's I know! You file it under My Family with Zoe Wanamaker <laughs> and Robert Lindsay. She doesn't want to make her. Oh, God, that She doesn't programme. make me want to make her. Someone made me watch an episode on a plane once. <laughs> I couldn't get halfway through it. Oh, it was awful. So anyway, so what happened was I was watching the Comedy Awards. This is back in, I guess, October or November last year. I can't remember when they were. Um, And uh, once again... we were recording episode eight or nine, I would have thought. Probably. Mm. Um, They were were once again uh, giving half the awards to Outnumbered. And they did this this for the previous year. And I just assumed this was them being rubbish. They're being rubbish. They're being rubbish. Mm. You you never graciously accept my corrections, and I always do yours. I'm a lot like Jesus. You are. Um, so there's two years in a row giving all these awards to Outnumbered and I thought okay I'm going to check this out and then I realised it's written by Andy Hamilton and, and Guy Jenkins who wrote Drop the Dead Donkey which is I hate Drop the Dead Donkey do you? I yes. found it entertaining enough I didn't I hated it it was so kind of smug and artifice filled it was horrible I, I quite uh, like Oh, look, we're being topical, we're being topical, we're being topical. It no, was... we're not being topical. And we go, <laughs> oh, look, he's like, he's no, no, a yuppie, he's a yuppie, he's a yuppie, he's got... a yuppie. We're being topical, he's nasty, he's a yuppie. We're being topical, he's a lush. We're being topical, he's a, <laughs> he's a yuppie, and he likes to drink. The end. No, because what they would Ooh, do is... drop the dead donkey. They would write entire ep- episodes and then at the last minute crowbar in topical references. And How you really can defend that good. ghastly I don't think I could media. anymore. I don't think I could anymore, but I remember in reason. Remember the yuppie <laughs> character? <laughs> he was a yuppie and he said funny things about corporate speak. <laughs> anyway, God. but Andy Hamilton went on to write How dare you defend and... drop the dead donkey? Andy Hamilton. Our comedy partnership <laughs> must end now. <laughs> comedy i flatter myself carry on <laughs> you do don't you yes. um andy hamilton went on to write old harry's game on radio 4 and if you argue that that's a bad program then our comedy double act is over superb old harry's game yeah oh, uh, it's all right i mean i don't it's very i don't cry when i turned it off it's very sentimental yeah but uh well, it's, it's about the, the devil the the episode after the dude because the actor who played one of the main characters died and they tried to carry it on without him and it just became this really sad kind of obituary to him Mm. For an entire series, but anyway, so they're not the worst writers in the world. They've written some decent uh, stuff, and and um, they're worse than the worst writers. They're <laughs> middle of the road writers, and I find that a bigger crime. Well, they're fine anyway. So I checked it out, and I watched an episode, and I was bracing myself. Yes, and I was, you were literally you were holding onto the sofa, <laughs> gripping onto the, the arms for, of my for, chair for, for, for the ghastly, smelly wind that was about <laughs> <That's> to <true>. buffet <laughs> you. And it's a so the the concept the. the idea behind the program is it's a mother and a father Ugh. and they're three children Ugh. see they're outnumbered by the number of children Ugh. you see and one of the kids is about 12 oh. 
God. One is about five, one's about oh, seven, I think. Oh, I know, exactly. Oh, well, starring Hugh Dennis, written by the proper dead donkey people on uh-huh. BBC One. Uh-huh. Oh. And I laughed all the way through it. And every time I laughed at Hugh Dennis, I felt dirty. Well, it's because you were dirty. genuinely laughing. And, and I've since told... I remember at New Year's Eve, I had a few people over for... We had a few people over to our house for New Year's Eve. And it was well gone midnight, and we all sat around in my room chatting and watching random video clips off my computer. And I said... Um, that uh, I've been watching this programme outnumbered, and they sneered, they snorted and sneered at me. Out the BBC One sitcom about a family. I said, "Did you ever watch it?" They went, "No, of course not. It's, it's got not. Hugh Dennis in it." for us, our source. And I showed them some clips, and they were like, "Right, we're getting hold of this." It's really strange. It's a, I, th- I imagine you'll hate it because you hate everything, but it's genuinely, it's genuinely very funny. The kids are very smart in the way they make stuff up, and the parents react quite genuinely when they're surprised by something. The kids say, "You see them stumble and laugh at things they weren't expecting." And it's, it really, really works. I found it. There's a cup. There's a cup. The series one has. So, a, so you got the DVD out, did you? A, um, yes, if that helps. Series one had. No, the, I just wondered how you saw because oh, no, they're I, all on. They're all on YouTube and so on. If you want to see them that way. I, 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 I don't. Uh, I don't rape little animals. <laughs> unlike you. It's good to know. Yes. Whereas, whereas by by of course pirating, these sort of on, things you are raping little animals, and I don't do that. YouTube is fine. Just because BBC somebody else taken down just, from just because somebody else fine. has put the little animals orifice for <laughs> you, ready packaged into five minute slots, doesn't mean it's any better. <sighs> How dare you? <sighs> it's true. I'm a terrible person. But anyway, um, it's quite. They, 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 oh. For comic for comic relief, they did an episode last year. Oh, that where what the episode for comic relief? You're not going to tell me that was good. Nothing ever mm-hmm. made for comic relief is good. Uh, well, the two things are well that and uh, Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who story he did for Comic Relief. Mm, I've decided Doctor Who isn't good and never was. <laughs> Stephen Moffat episodes. That, no, that's the end. Of, no, it never was any good. It, it struggles because it has uh, too much of a legacy. It, it it might have been good if they just started with something new, but, but it's not no the good. Stephen Moffat episodes. They no totally survived. Yeah. They're all fantastic. I, I feel liberated in being able to say it's mediocre rubbish. Well, most of it was, especially the Russell T Davies episodes. But Stephen Moffat, Girl in the Fire. Can we just say Russell Davies TV? Can we not give him? The, <laughs> can we not give him the arrogance of his tea? He's Russell Davis, all right? Okay, he's just Russell that's Davis. R- he's just Russ, Russell Davis. Just Russ Davis. Yes, that's it. Russell T right. Davis. Oh, I've got the little T, little sharp, <laughs> little little sharp consonant in the middle of Mike's otherwise boring name. Russell T. <laughs> Russell T. Russell Malty. Russell T. Yes, Russell Upson T Davis. <laughs> he made it uncool again. Yeah. Anyway, so Stephen Moffat's great. He wrote Press Gang. I won't, you can't possibly have a word to say against Press I've, Gang. I have got a word against Press Gang, and yeah. it's this. At the time, I was editing the school magazine. <laughs> yes, and I remember thinking, there is no, no way. Why is no one as pretty as Linda working in my newspaper office? That's what you were thinking. Well, there was. The editrix was very pretty. Um, but anyway, um, Stephanie Jones, she was called. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, what happened? But no, the real thing was the way they, they would just be able to produce a newspaper, the Junior Gazette, every week. Yeah. Oh, so easy. And, uh, yeah. You know, to put one school magazine together in yeah. a year took a blood, sweat, and iron, and it was unbelievable. And just trying to wrest one semi literate, half assed review of a football match from somebody was almost beyond the toil I think of Hercules. What you're doing? And, and I said, and I used to be really angry. And there was, you know, I was at the age where I should have been enjoying it, but I was angry. I said, this is ridiculous. There is no way in hell any child would buy this newspaper for a start. Right. Nobody wants to read about this sort of rubbish. Um, most people can't read. 
Uh, I was a snob at that age already. And, <laughs> uh, and certainly people won't be able to write. Just adults putting together a newspaper is a big enough toil. So to have these people sort of doing it in their spare time, ridiculous, and I spat on it. Well, the Junior Gazette... I did think that... ...was that, supported I, by the local Gazette newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, last year, watched a documentary from MTV... Um, in America about a student newspaper in a high school that they put together once a week and they managed it. So I just no, imagine didn't. that you were a very bad editor. No, they, I wasn't the editor. Oh. I was just, just laying it out. Just like, oh, you're, the, you're doing Remember DCP. I said the editrix was pretty. Ah, yes, of course you did. Stephanie Jones. So I need to go around. Grandad, do you know who I am? <laughs> Is it time for my walk? <laughs> you know what? I mean, you know what? I, I found that coffee out of a glass. It tends to make so much smoother. <laughs> That's so funny, so have I. Yeah. Not polystyrene, though. It gives it a horrible Does flavor. it? Uh, there's a texture. Something about it. wanting to bite it. Yeah, I like to bite into the polystyrene. Uh, and the now show? And then, and then the end of now show! <laughs> Cream teas and... and, 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 and we um, hate Phil Collins. We hate Phil Collins. What else? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you were that's, saying that was well, that's what, this is what happens. <laughs> that was the best of rom doing. <laughs> this is what this is what happens when you start defending Hugh Dennis or any that's work true. that he's done. <laughs> so everything, everything unravels. So you would recommend that people watch this? I would genuinely recommend. Uh, Although outnumbered has a bit of a problem. Uh, uh, they did a Christmas special. Well, the this children year. are growing up. Exactly. Aren't they? That's a it's not like Barton, so you can just get a fat old <laughs> a fat old Scientologist lady to pretend to be in for eternity. And so what the ha- what, ha- what has happened? The Christmas special this year was a lovely episode, but um, Tom, the older son, is now a teenager. And is no longer able oh, to. It's a bit arch. Well, now, he's been yeah. given his lines and he's delivering his lines. He's doing mm. a fine job of it, but he's no longer surprising them. And the, the the two younger kids are much kind of more in control of themselves now, so they're less surprising. And so, and yeah, it was it was all should do what they did on the Cosby Show. There's some of the older kids should just disappear and new That's ones, right. new ones shoo, with pigtails. Little, yes, we're going to somehow adopt a daughter from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, cough, cough. Yeah, but don't forget that the, when they shoot them off, they did go to a different world. Yes, and that made me very happy. Yes, Ru- Remember, Rudy stopped being cute, and then yes. they got the cute one. They yeah. replaced her with an acute yeah. model. Must have been lovely for that actress. You're quite <laughs> you're a bit of a mumter now, and you look like you've got a moustache. So let's get the cute little one. She really was still in it. Yeah, but she. Was I bet clearly, she's a beautiful woman now. She was second. No, I think she's a bit bit of a chob. I don't know. I've not seen. Her. I've not seen. She her. was. She was on some. She was on some American sitcom again. Older. Oh right, Keisha Knight Pullen. Is that right? Mm. Very good. Yes, I'm impressed. Do you remember who took over? No, the, the, the cute girl. It was a very tiny cute girl. Yeah, I've got, oh, I was about to say what her name was, and then it went away. Oh, that's sad. Of course, because you've told us before, so you're repeating yourself now. Yeah, where are so it's been how popular uh, Cosby yeah. Show was in yeah, in yeah, but I, yeah, but I didn't mention the names of the, the various. No, that's actors. true. Um, no, and I just find still find okay. How am I going to criticise? Two point four children or whatever. You call it. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's not my family. Shows. Whatever it's called. Oh well, you won't like it because what's it called again? I've literally out- forgotten. <laughs> outnumbered. Outnumbered. Right. This has become the outnumbered episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. It's um, the mistakes because you, what you do is you attach yourself to the to the uh, the the little bit of grit. And mm. you won't let it go. No. And so you, you know, you, you have a tiny, you have a I'm tiny a little magnet. stone in the bottom yeah. of your shoe, and you let it ruin the whole walk. Yes. Um, and so you won't. The sister character in series one is a giant mistake, and they ditch her straight away for series two. She's gone. Um, well, they ditch one of these children's sisters. No, no, no. The the mother's sister is right. um, is a is a kind of. She's there to be a, a negative influence on the story. Right. She's the she's the baddie, as it were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but they she doesn't work very well, and she's gone by series. She's gone back to America by series two because where she lives because she's a flake. Mm. So that's much better without her in series two. Um, but and they and they have one other character, a friend, and because you know it's it's very real. It's very much like people's 
like an episode is about getting the kids ready for school and then mm. trying to get them to do their homework in the evening. Mm. And that's where it works best. They do two dud episodes. They do one in an airport in Greece, I think. I've seen a bit of that one, and, and that's one, why I decided not to watch and it. One I saw a bit of it, oh, this looks a bit wacky. And one at a wedding. And the, they were running around the departure lounge or mm-hmm. something. I didn't like it. And, they, and that, they keep... That's that pro- well, I didn't think it was and that they keep good tripping what up, I saw. They keep tripping up the, old, the same old lady in yeah. the airport. And it's, and it's it was just when they're safely in their own If that house, was the first episode you'd have seen... You I wouldn't have watched it again. Right, well, that's I've seen a bit of that now that it's ringing... Ringing There's some bells. lovely moments in those episodes with the kids. There's a fantastic bit when the, the kids ask the parents, um, why are only Muslims terrorists? Mm-hmm. And the parents having this desperate attempt to try and explain this to them and realising their own ignorance and, and, and yeah. trying to explain things. And it's, those, those are some really great moments in there. But yeah, it was just the, the tripping up the same old lady over and over again just felt like any other terrible <laughs> sitcom. And so it was very silly. And the wedding episode is just far too overblown. The, the idea the little girl accidentally ruins the entire wedding for the bride. The wedding goes ahead, but she makes the bride hate the whole experience which is again it's just but when it's about them getting ready for school in the morning that's when the program really works they have one other character a friend of the mums who's got a daughter as well who played together and she's again she's an overwritten character and she's Mm. too awkward but the Christmas special totally redeems her really really clever stuff with her in the Christmas special so there you go and that's all I'm going to say about it I'm bored of myself talking about well, it. Fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll give it a go. You'll hate it. You won't. And if there's a problem with it, I shall. You should. I should show you the clip on on YouTube. Everyone should search search on YouTube. There's a clip of the of Karen uh, burying the mouse. Right. Uh, the mouse funeral that she does. Okay. Which is superbly funny. And also, if you check for knits, uh, Karen being checked for knits by her mum. That's very. Funny. I'm outnumbered. Knits for a pet. I think it's called. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll try that. I mean, well, some you talked about overwritten and badly written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that brought to mind something I was thinking about the other day, which was how depressing it is how even something well-written just can't quite escape from the groove of obviousness. Even something well-written, you, you kind of know when somebody's committed adultery, for example, right. on a series or on a radio program mm-hmm. or on a, in a play or even in a film, you kind of know at some stage it's going to be found out and yes. there'll be repercussions and there'll be some sort of just dessert. I think inevitability is the worst thing in, in all television yeah, experiences. Yeah, and you know the revelation will happen at some mm-hmm. stage. Oh, God. Yeah. The clunk. It's just the waiting big, for The big clunk of doom coming. Yeah. Uh, why does this... And it's not the only sort of inevitability I'm talking about. There's a certain moralizing balancing going on. For example, all the films that they have about where people get powers, like invisibility mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. You always know that eventually they'll get into some pickle because they'll 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 be using they'll slightly misuse it and yeah. then they can't you know why can't they just take us on a vicarious ride and enjoy it and you know look up people's skirts and go into supermarkets <laughs> and steal things and play games and you yeah. know and get away with it why can people never get away with it there's this huge mm. amount of morality that runs through what Christians like you would call amoral Hollywood. That's actually <laughs> Christians rich. like no, me. but you know what I mean. It's a really strong kind of hidden strain of morality mm-hmm. beneath all the shagging and all the ostensible oh, you must, naughtiness. You must pay up. You must pay the, yeah. the ferry man for any yeah exactly good, good thing that happens. Uh, can you to think you? of any? Can you think of any? Uh, you know, think of the average, even the most sort of horrible little Adam Sandler vehicle will have this. You know, for his, there, even the, the horrible thing where he, he gets a remote control. Oh, I didn't see this. And he yes. basically gets to fast forward through his wife's mm-hmm. whinging and that kind of thing. He gets to pause nice things, rewind, yeah. all that. I thought it would be a nice film if he just gets away with using mm-hmm. it. And he suddenly finds, actually, this is great. And then he manages to take over the world with it at the end. Yes, that would That'll be, be fine. fantastic. As opposed to, of course, he finds the repercussions at the end of And, and of course, what does he end up having to do? Of course, he ends up having to smash the remote control or throw it away. That's always what happens. The thing it's has to be thrown. Click. It's too powerful for your own good. And we learn yeah. not to use it. And we learn... 
why can't we learn to enjoy it and just yes. use it and abuse it and then the TV, win? The TV show Heroes has managed to create a story in which it's got a cast of about 20 regulars, of which none of them use their powers for any fun ever. They've, it's, God, just written, that frustrates me so much about superhero things where they none of them when you know of course what are you going to do there's one character who when you, you can fly and have invisibility one, and stop time you know what you're going to do there's one character guy and you, Pete, you, won't, you won't get tired of doing it either Peter Petrelli who can take any other power by touching a person with a power he can take that power mm-hmm. and so he'll get and I he, only saw series one so I have vague okay, recollection he, he uses well he can have all the powers he wanted in yeah. series one he uses his powers to um to try to rescue people <sighs> so he'll be Good he's working issues. as a paramedic no 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 he's the only person acting like a superhero in the program everyone else is either complaining or hiding and, <laughs> and he runs around saving people and all the other characters condemn him for doing this what are you doing you're just making your life be about trying to rescue people because you can't rescue yourself or whatever the nonsense yeah. say. he's the only person being a hero in the program yeah but I'm sure heroes. he'll learn not to eventually everyone else is going oh I don't know if my being psychic's good or not oh, do you know I'm what sure. I didn't like about heroes the whole nemesis thing thing in heroes right. i wanted them just to learn i wanted just to, every yeah. episode to be somebody learning about their powers and having fun That's with them I and then eventually conjoining well oh, no, yeah. oh look there's a baddie oh look basically uh, there's a there's the old boring nemesis who oh guess what he didn't actually die properly oh. yeah, so, so, so at I, least i thought he so, died silas not died properly quite a few more times since then oh, as well God. he's still going but now he has now he's having um conflicts of of guilt about his what he does because yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've got the, they Mrs. Keep... the Mrs. Mangle moments happen <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mangle starts sorry about all the shouting and she's being softened as a character they <laughs> keep trying to redeem Silo and then changing their mind it's fact the way he always oh. seems to work is that the writing team seem to all um be left alone. It's like it's my, my, this is my image of how the writing team for Heroes works. Is it's like a mum going out, leaving a group of children to play together, and she's like, "Okay, kids, now you can stay in this room and play with these things, but I don't want any. You're not to fight, and you're not to do this, and you're not to leave this room, and you're not to touch the stuff in that bag over there. I'm going to be back in five or minutes." Or indeed, like the Lord who says, "You're allowed to play in this garden, but right. don't eat from this tree." But no, but and then she, don't eat this fruit. And then three episodes later, she comes back in. Oh, look what you've done! We <laughs> have to put everything back. And that oh, I told you not to eat that fruit, and you've knocked down the fruit tree. But this is what. Heroes is like every yeah. three or four episodes they reset everything back to how it was before and then make the same mistakes again. No, they made a mistake. At Very least the law didn't allow them back into Eden. Whereas there this, go. there, whereas Tim in Crink. Heroes, Tim Crink is letting them back into Eden. Yes, and then thinking that this time they'll have <laughs> learned from their mistake when a snake comes up and tells them to re- bring Sila back to life again. Oh, for goodness' <laughs> sake! Horrible. Uh, uh, I, no, I, I can't think of any program which actually, or I don't know. I mean. I know that Dostoevsky maybe allows it, but are, can you think of any cultural artifact where people are allowed to just get away with? I'm really frustrated because I know there's one example and it's it's nagging at me mm. and I can't remember what it is. But people, if anyone could think of any, just podcast at rumdoings.com yes. and let us know. It was the hut? He wasn't even, even in the hut sucker proxy. He couldn't quite get away with it in the there's end. There's some. There's a really good example of someone just. The balance always comes back. Getting away with uh, their superpowers and just enjoying them and mm. having fun. I'm not even talking about superpowers. No, 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 I'm just yeah, talking no, about yeah. fortuity or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, and that's always frustrating me. Or as yeah. you said, the inevitability of 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 it. That's of, why I can't watch Forty Towers. Everyone else tells me that Forty Towers is wonderful. I can't watch it because it's just about the inevitability of everything going wrong. 
and yeah. I can't enjoy it because of that. Well, but that's the same for Curb Your Enthusiasm, as we said before. So you, Yeah, something better about Curb, I don't know. Yeah, but that is also inevitable. But then I can't watch more than ep- one episode in a row. Right. I just can't. I have to wait a couple of weeks before I can watch it ever again. <clears throat> no, I mean, it's, the, it's these semi-hidden tropes that appear mm-hmm. in these things. You know, well, okay, if, F, if X has done Y, then you know by the end that yeah. A has got to have happened. Mm-hmm. And... and it's funny, it doesn't matter how... It seems not to matter how sophisticated the writing is. This is always going Ooh, to be... Ooh, American hit. Gothic. Yeah. Sheriff Buck was pure evil. And it never, re- never really got any comeback for it. I mean, they tried to kill him off near the end and he survived that as well. So he was a... Yeah, he was an unrelentingly evil character. And, he, no, and, I mean, I and can... you ended up supporting him, you wanted him to be... Well, and, and, and Dexter, of course. Oh, well, which, 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 which I've not watched, okay. probably. But I mean, it's, but I've, I, it's probably Dexter is as close as you're going to get to it, isn't it? Perhaps. And, De- and of course, the, the whole premise of Dexter is the constant pressure and, te- and threat that he's going to get caught. Mm. But that's the joy of the program, is you find yourself going, No, don't catch the terrible serial killer. Please don't catch him. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's fine. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Dexter is probably as close as you're going to get. But yeah. it's, not, it's not just that. It's the whole, as, you say, uh, as I said, the inevitability of you, when somebody's committed adultery, you know, it's going to come back. Or when somebody's enjoyed a bit of wine or alcohol, <laughs> yes. somebody started games like the Archer Syndrome. Yes, so, some, somebody, somebody started playing poker once. And I said, I know how this is going to end. <laughs> I've played some poker and yet I've not I know how this addict. is going to end and guess what happened he was a gambling addict and almost ruined his marriage yeah um, every few months I go and have a game of poker yeah. with a friend and, you know, uh, no you can't you're a gambling addict I'm a no. gambling addict now yeah. and somebody's having a drink and you're oh that's going to become a problem <laughs> that's right someone has a drink on a soap opera uh, that's uh, alcoholism there we are <laughs> that's the beginning of that well I'm just going to pour myself a nice glass <laughs> of wine clonk 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 you know what's going to happen yeah and it's it's just that clumsiness of it and it doesn't matter whether it's a sophisticated written British thing mm. or an Australian Aussie thing even Neighbours did that you knew yeah. oh yeah yeah you, you, you knew where, but at least Neighbours you could forgive because you know you were, you were on a little train trip around mm-hmm. the amusement park whereas you think more sophisticated things you think should they, why is there no free form why is every it's a sad thing that everything in uh, cultural manifestation has to be significant mm-hmm. or is it out you, yeah. you know you're being shown a certain action because it will be important later that's right yeah so rarely will people allow themselves to show you something that's pr- utterly irrelevant mm-hmm. or has no consequences as indeed in life most things you do don't really have many particular consequences that's right yes and and this is never allowed um, and you can say well it's, but this is editing I remember, I remember in but the, it is frustrating you, in did, a way you didn't you watch the, the final two episodes of Doctor Who with Russell C. Davies no, writing Russ, 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 Russ Davies Russ Davies yeah um, there's, a, there's a scene in which uh, in the first episode of these two parts this two part where someone goes into this special shielding radiation booth right. and he says oh yes you have to press that button Do there zoom into the to button make, yeah to make the other door open but it only opens one at a time and then it has nothing for to no do, reason for at no all. reason at all. And then it, I was thinking, what? And the end of the episode comes, and it doesn't even refer to it. And I thought, wow, that's strange. And the second episode, it becomes absolutely clunk, crucial. Clunk, clunk. Oh god, <laughs> it's horrible. That's bad writing. I'd love to see a decent, sp- you know, spoof movies are all dead now because because um, yeah. even the even the people who made the classics are still make. You know, they, I was saying to you the other day, David Zucker, who made uh, the directed the airplane movies, and indeed, directing, and indeed did Kentucky Fried movie. Yep, yeah, is directing um, is directing Scary Movie four and five. So mm. <laughs> well, maybe Scary Movie four and five will be good. Maybe they'll be brilliant. Yeah, Jim Abrams is writing for them, and and um, yeah, which ones become the Nazi? None of them have become Nazis, but uh, David Zucker is now a um, s- strong Republican Nazi. supporter. Right. Um, whereas he used to be on the other side. Yeah. But he realised... He, he argues that it's that the Democrats aren't protecting 
the uh, juice well enough from the from the danger. So. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's an easy way. That, that, that that's a that's a nice bait and switch campaign. Isn't it? <laughs> it seems to be. Yeah, um, which is it a strange work one. though. No, and it's, it's a shame because because he made his anti Michael Moore movie. Which is fine. I mean, Michael Moore oh, is oh, yes. Michael Moore is a big fat liar. Unfor- fair enough. But unfortunately, he's that, not but... attacking him on that. Level. No, not on the proper. He's just attacking him on the fact that he's left wing. Yes, no. So it's the fact that Michael Moore is isn't is actually isn't particularly left wing. You when... don't like Michael Moore because he came out as a Christian. Did he? Did you not read this? He wrote. No. Like, he had a whole coming out thing. He goes to church know. every week, and there's a, there's a oh, he's been a Christian know. his whole life. Oh no! He recently admitted this. Yes. Well, it makes sense. Is <laughs> that sort of sanctimony about him that I can smell? Yeah, you smell the Jesus on him. No, it is true though. I mean, he, he shouldn't have surprised you that much, really. Well, no. I mean, it's, it's yeah. You're right. Um, Except the lying. Maybe he's a lying Christian. Who ever thought of that? There's never been one before. No, no. First time ever. Yeah. So oh, no, that doesn't surprise me too much. Yeah. Although I hadn't known about this. Citation needed. Well, you go to uh, michaelmore.com and read. He wrote it just before um, Christmas. Oh. Wrote this. No, not just before Christmas. Just before something. It was a few, about three or four months ago he wrote this big coming out speech about being a Christian. That must cause a lot of people confusion. All the Christians who didn't like him saying, well, actually, are we supposed to love him now or not? Oh, I think it's... Yeah, that's true. Because it's in the... That's why he does it. It's in the, <coughs> the most recent film he made, which I can't remember the name of. And apparently it's in that. So just before the film came out, he wrote about it on his blog. But is he a real Christian or is he the same way? Like he pretended to be a member of the NRA just to make the point. No, no, no. He's he, been, he says he's been going for like 20 years to church oh, and his I, whole family does every Sunday. And... Oh? Yeah. Well, that's, so there you go. It's that's very peculiar. Odd. I think there'll be people on this who listen to this who will be shocked, shocked. that their hero turns out to have so many flaws. <laughs> All right, so now it's a flaw, is it? Well, everybody knows it is, oh. but we're too polite. To <laughs> it is true though. When, when, when we think of you, we think, oh, he's a very, um, yeah. he's a very intelligent, uh-huh. um, <laughs> sort of a sceptical person. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a Christian. <laughs> it is. It is seen as a very opposite part whereas of course you would say it's a part of your deepest self but for mm-hmm. from the outside it looks like this weird little anomaly weird little anomaly yeah. a little it's a little moon that orbits you but that's yes my moon of christianity <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it eclipses you and sometimes but it is the driving force behind all the other aspects of my personality that's the peculiar thing well we'll just all refuse to believe that's fair enough you continue to refuse to believe that <laughs> it's just our, it's our right to believe that just as <laughs> your right true. to believe <laughs> we'll all believe in what we want. <laughs> I like when people say that um, I'll stand by your right to believe in anything. You know, I'll stand by. I won't. F- I'll fight for your right to believe in things I disagree with. You know, you bloody well won't. You're absolutely under no circumstances ever would you stand up and fight for that. You go, oh yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> well, I suppose it's in the sense that if you were being actively oppressed, yes, I might. You might give somebody an attic space, and you might. I'd, yeah, that'd be nice. I assume you'd offer me your attic if they if they turned on the Christians. Yes, they're not going to turn on the Christians. Then. They might. They won't. If I was in Indonesia, they would. Yeah, but your 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 archbishop is too busy asking for Sharia law to be implemented here to worry about those lot. Are you going to? You just reported that story like the Daily Mail did. It's true, though. He is rubbish. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> I've read his. I've read his stuff, and you know when he's supposed to be all clever and considered, right. he just uses big words to try and show off. But he's not pretty clever. He seems Rowan Williams seems like a decent person. He's not. He's, know, not, he's not. He's not. He's, but he's not as clever as he's a bit like. Um, Jonathan Sachs, the chief rabbi, he's not as clever as right. he thinks he is. And he's also, he's a bit frustrated in that he should have been a secular philosopher or something. Right. Uh, and he's kind of been 
brought into the <laughs> orbit of religion and so he's kind of there's a kind of there's a weird frustration there and i wonder whether there's something similar going on you know every second word that uh, the chief rabbi mentions is sort of manual kant and descartes and all right, that kind okay. of stuff it's like yeah we can see what envy you have and nice. I, I wonder whether there's something similar going on with mr williams doc sorry dr williams, dr. williams. Uh, well i what i'd like to see is his his uh, tenor continue come to an end uh, whenever his natural end the uh, right reverend mr tom wright who uh, tom wright is the bishop of durham right now i think He's the greatest theologian, the greatest living theologian, an astonishing man, and he would be the most incredible archbishop. Who, who is the um, Archbishop of York? Uh, I can't Th- remember Thuzul- his name. African guy. Thuzulu. Uh, it's not Thuzulu, but it's something similar to that. Name. Yes, um, he seems all right. Yeah, he seems pretty decent. I mean, I imagine he will actually be the next archbishop. Yeah. But I'd like to see Tom Wright just purely purely because he's he wrote New Testament and the People of God and other incredible. Yeah, books but he like might that. be a very bad communicator. He's not. He's, authors, authors he's got a proper archbishop voice. Because you read his stuff, his stuff is incredible. <laughs> does he have a spitting image archbishop voice? Yes, he does. Well, so you can read, imagine you, him having a sherry with Thora Heard and Alan Bennett. Because Tom Wright writes giant, hor- horrendously complicated tomes like New Testament and the People of God, these revelatory re- re- reworkings of ideas, and he's incredibly smart. And then he also writes these very friendly kind of little... Um, gospel guides and things like that and you read them and his, his tone is this one and then when you hear him speak he's like <laughs> oh like what's his name who was the uh, Rowan, Rowan Atkinson Rowan Atkinson <laughs> Rowan Atkinson Archbishop voice yes Remember Rowan Atkinson used to do Archbishop he's got a proper but it's a kind of proper avuncular yeah and uh, you know tell like, me a like good old story not like Mr. Carey then no Mr. Carey had a very bad voice oh, I remember <laughs> <laughs> my name's Archbishop Carey hello hello it's better tambourine ching ching I like to think that there's no other podcast on the internet that starts talking about outnumbered and finishes taking the piss out of former archbishops. <laughs> Richard Runcie was my favourite. Was he? Yes. He's like, he's like his, the alliteration. He wrote Faith in the City and was a very opposed to Margaret Thatcher. Yes, he was, wasn't he? Faith in the City. I, I, I worked for a vicar um, in... God, you were talking about Christianity. No, no, he gave me, he was a rebellious vicar, he was like 65, right. and he was a rebel, and he gave me a copy of Faith in the City and went, you need to read this. Mm. It was all very kind of... Thatcher funny. was very angry, he said it was yeah. communism. He was a whole big part of the anti-Thatcher movement, this vicar mm. in the 80s. It was like, <laughs> oh wow, you're really cool! <laughs> yes, I remember Runcie was on um, Spitting Image, the, he, was a, he, right. he was a character on Spitting Image, and he always used to go and have tea with uh, Thora Heard and, <laughs> and Alan Bennett. <laughs> More tea, vicar. Oh, I've got a macaroon up my sleeve. <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm afraid one of the strangest things about a spitting image, if you go back and watch it now, is that they had these women whose heads flipped open all the way over, like the Colgate flip-top heads, yes. and they would go, it's political correctness gone mad! And that was how many years 20, ago? <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> and we still say that phrase now like it's just well, happened. Or, or like we're parodying that it's just happened. just stumbled happened. upon political correctness gone mad. People still use it. It's, it amazes me that people still use it. And now we have we have health and safety, political correctness, and um, what's the third one? Um, There's a third one that always comes up. I can't remember now. The futility of positivism. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Daily yeah. Mail and their obsession with the futility of positivism. Well, they are, aren't they? Yeah. They are. It's atrocious. Well, yeah. Shall <laughs> I, I begin my ten-minute lecture? On? <laughs> Derrida. It's amazing that, you know, we said it's a joke. We have more requests for that than pretty much anything else. Where can I listen to? I will, I will, won't give it now, but I will give an abbreviated version of it later on. The main point was to say that deconstruction doesn't mean what most people think yeah, it means. Yeah, that was the point. And that was well, important. go on, go for it. We've got 10 minutes. Explain. I'll give a very, I'll give a, I'll yeah. just explain de- the point of deconstruction. When you say deconstruction, you think what it means is you're kind of looking in the inner workings of something to see to how. To break something down to see how To see how, how it, it was put yeah, together. Yeah. Um, to see essentially, to find out its essence exactly. Mm-hmm. To see essentially how 
uh, was made. A bit like when you pull a power to watch and you see all its cogs and the springs, yeah. and then you know how it puts together and how it works. Mm-hmm. But rather than taking a power to watch, I think you should think of deconstruction as it is init- was initially thought about as taking apart a sandcastle, grain right. by grain. Okay. And what are you left with at the end is just a pile of sand. Mm-hmm. And what, the, what does that reveal to you? It reveals to you the totally um, arbitrary configuration that the sandcastle was in. In other right. words, it, the, there was nothing inherent about the sandcastle. There was nothing essential about the sandcastle or about any of the structures that made up the sandcastle. It was all to do with the making and the viewing of it at right. that particular moment. Mm-hmm. So by deconstructing it, effectively you are showing, you are proving and showing the totally arbitrary notion and the total um, fleeting notion of any... Right. any uh, quote, authorial or otherwise um, authorised interpretation so or opinion you can of come, it. So you can come at this from a Bartian perspective, yes. then, with the old, um, what is it, was it he said, a, is it a bench or a tree or a, ta- a table, that's what he said, yeah. it, a table. Yeah. And he said that we understand a table because we, we, in, we impose its tableness upon it. Yes. So it's a similar thing. So the alien who comes down and sees a fork or a table yes. doesn't yes. just sees a shape. Yes, exactly. And it's, and it's the same sort of, it, it goes even beyond that. It says, well, I mean, if you look at any definition, so you say, well, let's look up its definition but you eventually find out that all definitions in dictionaries are circular anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at, at, at the end, to, to try and pin anything down. So you think, well, the way we'll pin things down is we'll, we'll, we'll zoom in deeper or pull it apart. And then we'll know. But no, you don't, because all you're doing is you then have a big pile of sand in front yeah, of you, yeah. uh, which you can then build up and do whatever you want with. Mm-hmm. So the point of deconstruction, I think, is to show the sandiness of, of, right. of, it, of it all, not to show... Exactly how it works. What's the benefit of seeing the sandiness? I think the benefit of seeing this. Well, ask Mr. Derrida, but he's dead now. I mean, he was a contrary old. He won't take my calls. He was a contrary old tosser. I mean, (laughs) you you would never admit he wrote particularly turgidly difficult to understand things. I think, obviously, on purpose as part of the. Oh, so you would present the whole time swimming through the soup, right? And I think the whole point. Of it was well. <laughs> I started yawning, feeling yes. out of tiredness, just because yes. you're talking about Derrida. Yeah, very exactly. rude. Derrida. Uh, I think that's the point. It's, it, the, the point is to not not to not to assume that all symbols, uh, you know, in in, sem- in semiology, to assume mm-hmm. that all symbols have obvious signifieds, and as long as you find a, a a will always refer to B, and C will always refer to D, and then when we find the magic acrostic, we're all done. Yes. Uh, uh, it's like to, to find. It's like everything's a puzzle game where the puzzle where you can turn over the book and you find the answers printed on the bottom upside down, kind of thing. <laughs> I think it was to. It's to kind of shake us uh, shake us away from such childish notions. Right. And these childish notions have led us to all sorts of things like ridiculous copyright regimens mm-hmm. and so on. So in a sense, it's it's healthy to remind ourselves. I think how arbitrary any particular interpretation or configuration is. And when you do things like watch the Brass Eye special yeah. and you look at the reaction to it. Uh, and you realise how unsophisticated most people's mm-hmm. parsing of culture is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you begin to have some sympathy for it. Well, at the other times you think it's just a bunch of French intellectual tossing. But other times you think, well, actually, frankly, um, there's a point to be understood here. Right. And then when you look at modern ways of creating works like Wikipedia and so on, where who's the author mm-hmm. and who's the reader and who's the writer and who's the editor, it, it, yeah. it's such a tumult that you can kind of see it was quite a prescient way of analyzing culture before mm. it became pretty obvious that that was the only way to analyze culture you know when you look at a blog and you look at postings and editings and replies and all that kind of thing i mean it it and mashups and all that kind of thing that yeah. the notion of there being an author capital a and there being yeah. a consumer yeah. capital c just becomes a bit silly yes absolutely absolutely and, isn't it and also one one opinion and, and one interpretation and one uh thread through it all that you just need to pull out and then find the 
find the golden thread that will reveal its true meaning. It's not the yeah. reading is not an acrostic game where you're going to <laughs> or a crossword. You know? Yeah, yeah, where you're solving it yeah. to find the author's hidden yeah. meaning. Yeah. yeah, or indeed anybody's hidden meaning. I remember because I did this. I did that experiment a few years ago. Where I wrote a, st- a short story hmm. in six or seven parts in which I deliberately, I had an idea what its meaning was mm. for me, yeah. but actually didn't, have, didn't know for sure. Yeah. And I just wrote generally. Yeah. And then people started getting really quite angry with me when I wouldn't tell them what the meaning was. And I said, it, it's, it's, an, it's a deliberate ec- uh, um, attempt to write in, in, a, in a kind of death of was, the author. Was that the one where the woman piece. died in the fire? That's right, yeah. yeah. It's not particularly well written now, I look back at it now. Yeah. Um, but the idea is there, and it, it, had, the, it had the desired effect. What did Victoria think she thought it was having a crisis of faith or something? I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really yeah. matter. But people became furious when I wouldn't tell them what the correct solution What's was. What's the correct solution? Yeah. Was what does it actually mean? What's it, and it's like, well, it has a, I have interpreted a meaning from it. When well, I um, well no, but... I, what, there, therefore, no, it must be but, the right but, one. But yeah, when you start bringing it forward, what do you mean by I have a meaning? What, the I a few minutes ago? The I now? Part of me? Who? Who's mm-hmm. it? You know, I mean, God knows. But yeah. you're right that you probably have a different interpretation of it yeah, now than the really day you wrote now, it. Though, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and you, uh, and, you know even what you mean by interpretation of it. I mean, what? You, if you, because if you write down the interpretation of it, mm-hmm. people are going to interpret that. It's not like that's, that's the end of writing, is it? Yeah. Here's what it means. And you write some sentences. Hmm, those are interesting sentences you've written. What could he mean by those sentences? And it becomes infinitely recursive, yeah. like the dictionary definition. We're just going around in circles again. So people will, people will argue against that saying, but then people write, deliberately write an allegory. And I think this is, this, is the breaking, this is the point where it becomes more clear, where you get that moment of breaking. So if I deliberately write an allegory and I have a deliberate in, interpretation that I wish you as the reader to You can wish anything you want. Exactly. That's not, it's irrelevant. It's meaningless. Because the, the, who cares about what I, my allegory was intended what to happens, mean when you read it? You know what happens? What happens when your when your words are just letters on the paper and mm-hmm. people still enjoy it? I mean, I I've read lots of Jonathan Swift stuff where the references were very specific for his age, and I frankly don't care. Yeah. I, mean, I happen to have studied them, yeah. but it still works as literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and you know, all of if you, you know, do you have to know when you are reading um, Gulliver's Travels that apparently he happened to be satirizing the Royal Institution when he talks about the island of Laputa? No, of course you oh. don't. You see ridiculous people trying to extract sunbeams from a cucumber as part of their experiments, that you don't need to know no, the, the, the crossword. You read a you, modest you, proposal. You don't need to know about the famine in Ireland. You no, don't need to know about no, the situation no. he was writing about. You just need to know that he was... It, the, the piece stands and... You it stands, it and, and if you read it in 500 years' time, it'll refer to something else and whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the point. You know, people who argue about whether Shakespeare was, what, was who he was... or was yeah. reference. In a sense, that doesn't matter either. If you like his plays, <laughs> if you like his plays, yes. you spend more time analysing them than he spent writing, writing, writing <laughs> yeah. them. Yes, I, I had there written. <laughs> That's how he would have said it. Yes. No, he would say, "Oh, I, I can't read or write. I got this Mister Bacon from down the road with me on my place." <laughs> That's what he did. That's true. It's a fact. Yes, it's ultra fact. And fact into doubt won't go. <laughs> That's true. Mm. See, it's all all links back to Chris Morris in your mind. What was the topic today? <laughs> I can't remember. Whatever happened to the BBC license eating dinner with all our family <laughs> again? Then capital punishment. That's true. <laughs> I think wise words there. That's the, the, the absolute de- definition of petering out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Peter, and you're out. Amen. Have a good time doing whatever you're doing, everyone. Have a happy Easter. Yes. Or Christmas, or whatever you're having. Summer. Yeah. We've completely lost track of when we exist. Yes. And Bye. that's appropriate. Let's deconstruct now. Okay. Sand now. <laughs>